The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about living and working in a world where the wired, tired, and technology converge. I'm your host, Ira Wolf, along with my co-host, Keith Compagna, and our sponsors today are Jobvite and Success Performance Solutions. We are going international again today. Uh, our guest is Maya Ninkovich from Alethea RNS. Uh, we'll find out what that means. Uh, she'll be talking about one of my favorite subjects and Keith's as well, the user experience. I'll be, uh, it's like being a kid in a candy store talking about uh, people analytics and user experience and candidate experience. Um, this isn't the run of, the, of your mill stuff either. Um, uh, just on uh, Maya's uh, website, she talks about things like eye tracking and user video graphics and ethnographic ethnographics. This is like way, way different. I mean, I, I'm not sure when HR ever, ever thought that they'd be talking about these things, um, but it's a must in, in today's uh, war rate. It's not even a war for talent. It's a race for talent. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, how users see and experience digital content. Uh, and that includes your job descriptions, your job listings, job postings, career websites, um, video, uh, what you're using, uh, things for employee engagement, uh, just about it all. Uh, and also, so we're going to be talking about the upcoming uh, Disrupt HR event. I know Keith's familiar with that as well as myself. Um, Maya's company and Maya is hosting that in Belgrade, Serbia, since she's coming. Uh, that's where she lives uh, in just about three weeks. So we're gonna we'll be bringing on uh, Maya in just a few minutes. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, Keith, um, good good to see. You. I haven't seen you in 24 hours, right? How about it? Yes. Am I? Yeah. How's everything coming along? In, sounding good or better? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, definitely better. Yeah, we had uh, little technical difficulties. Uh, I'm actually, we're actually in three different locations today. Uh, Maya, is, as I said, is in Serbia. Um, Keith is back in in uh, home in, in Lehigh Valley. And I'm in Sarasota. So uh, moving my mother out of her apartment into another apartment today. She's moving into a community. Uh, independent, she'll still be independent living, but uh, moving to an independent living community. It's a good move. Um, a lot more people around and... Uh, you know, if she needs some help, she is 95, so she's entitled to do that. Uh, but, it, Keith, we have to uh, – we definitely need to find someone uh, who can talk about the – this is beyond the aging workforce, but um, – you know, here I am um, moving my 94-year-old, 95-year-old mother. We got a 93-year-old father-in-law who's still living at home independently. Um, but I said this to someone yesterday who's in their 50s, and he says, "Oh yeah," he says, "I'm dealing with my parents and his grandparents." <laughs> so you, you have people maybe. that. Well, yeah, I mean that's the sandwich generation. But you know, you're talking about. A gener you know, our, our life cycles are now, our, our life expectancy is now 
Um, good. I mean, it is good, and there's a lot, lot longer quality of life. But here you have, you know, people in their 50s and early 60s that are, you know, typically, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, they retired and they died. I mean, that, that, I mean, I, I remember when I start, <laughs> first started my first practice uh, in the 80s. Um, you know, people would come to because they were retiring and they wanted to get all their, you know, their dental work done and. Um, yeah, for for those that didn't know, that was my prior career. Um, but they they wanted to come and get it done, and unfortunately, within just a few years, they passed away uh, in in their sixties and seventies. Now it's not really unusual to find multiple relatives uh, living into their nineties, uh, even into a, you know even into the the hundreds. Uh, that used to be the exception, but think about the toll. Think about what that's. What, what that's doing because you have people in their 40s and 50s taking care of their parents in their 70s and 80s and some of their parents is still alive and that and and if they're in their 40s and 50s they may have young kids uh mm-hmm. where they have kids in college um who are starting their their, their they may be starting their families um it, it's got to take its toll on productivity well, not only that, but it's something that comes up more often than not when I talk to groups about life force integration. When we're dealing with balancing, the, the, the notion of balancing work and life has nothing to do with, it doesn't incorporate senior care, grandparent care, and it's becoming more and more of a turn on for people to find companies that are actually saying, if you have some member of your family you need to take care of, go take care of them. There, you know, and and in the right, conversations right. I have with clients yeah. and groups, it's that idea that there are organizations out there. Now is the time for you to take a deep breath, swallow the the nerves that you might have, and and put it out there so that you can align with a company that has a vision and and a welcomed attitude towards this. Sure, and and people are still focused on child care for for sure, and there are some people companies that have elder care, but even that alone is getting a little bit more complicated. And sometimes it's just flexibility. Uh, you know, there's still companies that require people to show up and punch the clock, and yet there's some really talented people that are struggling with this. Uh, you know, and maybe they're in a sandwich, and maybe they're not, but they've got. You know, they've they've got aging parents or aging grandparents or aging relatives, and and they may have kids at home, or they may even have a partner. I mean, it may even be their spouse who has got some, um, you know, some health problems or disability, and uh, you know, they may not need. It may not even be a financial issue. It may need. It may be a flexibility, a work flexibility issue. So we we definitely need to get somebody to to talk about that. So on on when you're out and about, and I'm, uh, you know, this this hit me. Not hard because you know we, we knew it was coming, but uh, it, it's certainly something we want to be able to focus on and, and talk about. Um, but I and yesterday we had a really nice uh, group in uh, in the Lehigh Valley. Uh, mm-hmm. We had 20 people in our in our seminar, keeping recruitment human, and it's amazing. Um, you know, you you were there. You know, what yeah. were your what were your thoughts? What did you hear? I, I saw it one. I, I saw it from the stage. Right. <laughs> you, know, you, right. You, you saw it from a, as a participant. Well, first and foremost, it's always impressive when there isn't an empty seat in the room. So congratulations yeah, nice. to you yeah. and Hugh. And But the, the truth of the matter is there isn't a single thought or a, a shared idea that you brought to the room that didn't have somebody writing down a note or nodding their head up and down in a yes motion. The content was right on. 
everybody is dealing with a challenge in some varying degree on not only how do I uh, create a different type of mindset inside of HR, but how do I develop a business case? How do I get the tools? There's so much going on about the technology and what HR departments are, need to do to not just get ahead. Let's not give them too much work. How about catch up? And that has nothing to do with the candidate experience as well. So a lot of people, I suspect, Ira, uh, got a lot of a lot of good information from it. I know well, that's I good to hear. Yeah, I mean that's great to hear. And I already got the feedback. And and uh, as you've heard me say this, and and uh, I, I send this out all the time. I, I send out a speaker feedback uh, to get a little bit more than what you typically get in in conference. But this was one that uh, Hugh Gallagher, who was a guest a few weeks ago as a recruiter, uh, and he and I hosted. We're a partial host with this. We had Insperity hosted uh, was another sponsor of it. Uh, but I, I send out the speaker feedback and some. Of the feedback I'm getting, which is the same as I get other places, is like, what did you like? You know, what what did you walk away from? Did this meet your expectations? Uh, was there one point that you were able to implement right away? And then one of the questions is, what sh- you know, what should we eliminate? Um, I, unfortunately, the feedback's good for the ego, but it's really not very good for my presentation because it's all of it was good, <laughs> and right. and I'm always looking for ways to cut out something because I've got way too much material. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but I know I appreciate that feedback. But it also lines up really well with uh, our guest today, uh, Maya. Nice. Um, and again, I'm really excited. Um, I think it's May 9th. Um, um, I, I will be speaking remotely. Uh, to the Disrupt HR. That's how you and I met, Disrupt HR yeah. Lehigh Valley, uh, yeah. just about two years ago, I guess. And uh, Maya, uh, through a mutual friend, invited me to speak uh, at their Belgrade, um, Disrupt HR Belgrade. It's now international. So yeah. that you know, that should be fun. Uh, so I want to bring on Maya, and hopefully I didn't butcher this name too bad, Nikovic, no, is that right? Ninkovic, yeah, that's Ninkovic, right. Ninkovic, yeah, uh, wonderful. Maya, welcome to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure. And uh, thank you for that introduction. That sounds really great, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I, I'm, I'm honored to, to be part of that. And, um, you know, we're, Michelle is a mutual friend and she speaks so highly of you and she couldn't wait to get us together. So yeah. let's start out. Your, your company, and again, I may butcher this name as well, uh, is it Al- Alethea? Alethea, yeah. Alethea, yeah. Okay, got that. R- Alethea R&S. What what does what is Alethea? <laughs> Alethea is uh, actually uh, a uh, from Greek Alethea, which means truth. And so uh, the company name became time to actually come up with a company name. You know, we were banging our heads and you know thinking of all these you know ways. And then we thought about you know what is it exactly that we're doing? And we you know we really uh, did want to focus on research and how data informs strategy. And so you know being truthful and being sort of honest about it and uh, facing uh, you know the data and whatever message it may bring you, whether you like it or not, it was was kind of, you know, really important, uh, you know, for us internally and also as a message out into the world. So uh, it is research and strategy and it is about how data and people analytics and research can inform uh, strategy, business strategy, and also internal HR strategies. So this is this is where it comes from. 
So, so tell us, I mean, I can share with our listeners um, a little bit about your background because you, most of your postgraduate education was uh, in the U.S. And I, I'm, I'm correct, I know, I think Penn State and NYU. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, I went and I've been, I uh, went to London, I think, um, oof, it was a long time ago, 94, I think. Uh, and that's where I finished my BA in psychology. And then uh, I went to Penn State for, uh, you know, my master's and then to New York for my graduate degree. So, so I, yeah, I've lived in the States for, you know, a good 10 years, I think. And then I came back, you know, eight years something eight years, nine years ago, and decided, you know, to apply some of these things that I've, you know, I've done. And um, I don't come from a very traditional HR background. So, you know, I come from social... Well, that's, the three, that's the three of us. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think this is, you know, I think this is why, you know, you're able to step out of it, you know, and see it in terms of practices and in terms of, you know, I come from critical social psychology background, which is sort of makes you question everything. So why is this here, you know, and why are you using this practice and how is this practice, you know, what are the implications of this practice, you know, for the people in the organization? And so, you know, I, I come from that perspective and so bringing that psychology background into it, like like you said in the, in the introduction, it's like, you know, how is ethnography finding its place in HR? How is, you know, this sort of biometrics and eye tracking finding its place in HR? Uh, I think you need people who have these analytical skills, you know, to, to enter into HR as consultants or as people inside organizations so that they can bring these perspectives in and see what benefit they can get from uh, all of these other external data that HR maybe doesn't usually think of when, when they think data collection. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, that's just a great segue. You know, this morning, I mean, I, I wake up with these, like, really, really weird ideas. So, um, you know, one of the things that I that I wanted to, you know, ha have a conversation about, and it was also a personal reason, not only to share your talents and, and what you were doing, um, but it was also to kind of get a gauge of what are the issues in Serbia. I mean, so, you know, in three weeks, I'm going to be talking to a group and, and I wanted to pick a topic uh, or focus on an issue that was also a problem over there, because at least in the U.S., um, it seems, you know, and I've been speaking all around the country, everyone says, well, do you work in our industry? Like, like this is a unique talent problem uh, only for specific industries. Or uh, do you work in our region? Or do you understand what it's like to work in the Lehigh Valley or yeah. California or Texas or Missouri? So I guess one of my questions is, uh, but this was the weird thing. I, I woke up this morning, I wonder how many miles we are from, in, and I'm not in Wind Gap right now, I mean, that's where I normally live, um, but it's like, how many miles away are we? So we're actually 4,556 miles away. Okay. <laughs> to be precise. A little trivia, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure where we can use that, but um, except on the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. But based, you know, but again, you, you were hosting Disrupt HR. What are the biggest challenges facing businesses when it comes to HR uh, in uh, in Serbia? Yeah. Well, first of all, I actually really need to sort of publicly thank you and announce you as a speaker on the event. 
Uh, and I have to tell you, built uh, up quite a fan base here in Serbia. Oh, so, good. Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, may I may have mentioned, but I, I work with a lot of students, and you know when they heard that uh, you'll be speaking on disrupt, they researched everything that you've ever done online, you know every book that you've written, and so they sat down and they voted on what is the topic uh, that they would like you to speak on, you know, and they they went through all the, and I think they decided on something. There's no uh, HR app for that. I think that was really, really interesting, you know, for them. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. we'll run with that one. Yeah, I, actually, I've, uh, that, that's molded a little bit of, yeah. of where things are. But it fits, it, it fits so well into this topic of user experience, um, yeah. you know. And, and so, yeah, so I'm excited to get into there. So, but what are the issues? I mean, is, you know, in, in, all you hear about in the U.S. Is, is this war for talent or a race for talent. People can't find talented people. Um, you know, taking longer to hire people, the, the the cost to hire people is going up. Um, I mean, are these are these the same issues that you that you, the the companies in in um, you know in, in Belgrade and in Serbia are facing? Right. Well, uh, th- let me tell you, uh, um, Jennifer McClure is uh, uh, she is the sort of mastermind behind Disrupt, and we had this um, uh, initial conversation some months ago, and you know I was preparing to tell her why is it that we want to organize a Disrupt HR event, and you know why I think it's important for Serbia and all of this. So you know I told her that we are sort of you know in this in this really interesting transition phase, uh, you know that uh, in Serbia we we see this sort of wave of transformation coming and there's simply just not enough you know people to sort of hold up that transformation right and so we wanted to organize disrupt HR uh, as uh, you know a, a kind of you know a, a sort of fire you know to sort of ignite it in uh, you know this population here so that so that we can actually share some of the more innovative sort of modern uh, approaches to HR and you know funnily she said well that's exactly what all of the disrupt HR organizations around the world tell us is that they are ready for a change and then you know it really got me thinking is that you know Serbia is in a particular situation but I think that this these changes are more global than just Serbia uh, our particular flavor of change is a little bit different because we came out of socialism you know and then year 2000 brought about all of these um, uh, you know sort of political and economical changes that uh, you know multinational corporations brought their practices, the, the sort of Western HR management knowledge and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, before we had a chance to actually catch up with that, digitalization came in, right? And so all of a sudden, you know, even these practices were not modern enough, were not, were not sort of good enough to solve these problems. And so now we had, uh, uh, you know, a force of, of these HR professionals not quite sure what they're supposed to do next because the old methods and the old ways of doing things were not working. Administrative HR wasn't working. You know, sort of, you know, these kind of analog ways of solving today's problems were, were not working, but they didn't quite know where to turn for information on, on what to do next. And I think this is not a particularly Serbian problem, if you know what I mean. I think that this is uh, this is a larger uh, uh, a global problem that, you know, deals with the idea that business environment has changed so drastically. 
and the way that HR has been sort of dealing with these issues has, has not, and it hasn't really caught up maybe just yet. And so I think we are in at various points in transformation, and I don't know, I haven't been, you know, working directly with, you know, companies in the States for 10 years, so I, I'm not sure exactly where they are. But uh, It hasn't gotten much better for a lot of companies, unfortunately. It, yeah. that, that's the opening. Well, Keith can, can attest to this. My opening slide shows a typewriter uh, and it shows a a uh, bunch of people on mobile phones, and I'm saying the candidate's perception of the recruitment experience is, you know, is, is the typewriter. Yeah. Uh, where, where, where they're, you know, they're 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 trying to respond to the HR person who's still punching a keyboard. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I think I think we. And this is this is why disrupt, and this is why, uh, you know, trying to share all of these sort of best practices, uh, innovative practices, you know, to show somebody that yes, it's actually possible, you know, and it does require uh, a, a change. It does require you know organizational change, and it requires a sort of leadership change. And I think this is the most important thing is that, you know, we've been working with a lot of clients and, you know, at the first meeting, you can actually tell whether the people analytics uh, or program, whatever it is, whether, whether it's a small project dealing, you know, with just, you know, some, some sort of logistics of candidate experience or it's a large project like introducing a data-driven system, you can tell immediately, you know, whether it's going to be successful by the amount of, of, of that initial kind of buy-in, you know, and if, if, if that's not there, it's an uphill struggle, you know, and it, it and it really, um, you know, it just it just not as as successful as it could be, you know, if you have uh, people who are more open uh, to this kind of new way, I guess, of looking at things. So what, when a company calls you, I mean, let's get back to some basics here, um, yeah. because people are still all over the board, people analytics, I, I can hear, you know, many of the clients, um, you know, saying, oh, we're a small company, we're private, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're thinking about doing this. Why, why does a company, you know, uh, uh, call Althea? I mean, why do they bring you in that you have that first assessment, that first meeting? Yeah, sure. Uh, one of the things that that, that people uh, call us for, and uh, I love it. You know, that's that's our preferred, you know, way is to is to come and address a very specific problem and a very specific issue. So people would have problems, I don't know, with motivation, uh, or they would have problems with recruitment, uh, or they would have problems, uh, you know, with engagement, or you know, whatever it is that you know that you can identify as a problem. And we like to start from the problem itself. Uh, you know, somebody just recently asked me, it's like, do you have a catalog of your services? And I said, well, not really, because, you know, a catalog sort of implies that that you are going to know what you're going to do when you get to the, to the organization. And I think we come at it from a very different way. It's like, okay, let's let's look at the problem and let's see what which methodology will get us to answer that question. You know, what is in the background of the problem? It's like, why is the problem there, right? And so, uh, you know, we're trying to generate you know, insights and metrics that will help us then come up with suggestions on how to address the issue and how to, you know, move the organization past that, that, that issue or the problem. Maya, are you, seeing, are you seeing any trends with regard to your client base where they could use the most help or what they're looking for? Um, hey, hey, Keith, we're still getting a little bit of a breakup with, yes. with that. I mean, we, we heard uh-huh. it, but I'm not sure where that's coming from. But uh, back to you, Maya. 
Yeah, sure. The issues. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, we we work a lot uh, here with the IT industry, and um, uh, uh, things have moved because uh, uh, I don't know, maybe ten years ago, uh, uh, one of the the biggest issues in the IT industry wasn't actually attraction; it was actually selection. Uh, and so people were coming up with all these different methods. You know, how do we best select the person? You know, for the job, are we going to do assessment centers, or we're going to do you know some kind of psychological assessments, or we're going to do some standardized tests, or whatever it is? Uh, and and we've seen uh, a, a huge move away from that into attraction. And so you know, this is very specific for for the IT market because uh, uh, the market has become extremely competitive. And so now the biggest challenge for companies actually to even attract people to, to, to you know, get it. people to even look at their ads, to get people to even go to their career site, to even begin that sort of application process. And so I think that that's one of the things uh, that we've seen as, as a trend. Um, some of the other things, uh, let me think for a second. Um, I think I think some companies are starting to to understand that there are things that they previously thought uh, to be unmeasurable and sort of you know intangible, but now with all of these new methodologies that we have, they they're actually understanding that we can measure things like trust, you know, and that we can actually map people's relationships within the organization. We can generate some insights about things that were previously kind of like a black box, you know. It's like you go into the organization and you can you know you have your engagement survey and you know you have maybe some you know metrics in in the HR department, but everything else that dealt with like real human interactions, like the messy things, you know, that the people do every day. That was thought of as something that you can't really, you know, sort of put data on that. But but that's that's changing a little bit and that's not entirely true. And you know, some of our best studies have been qualitative studies where we would go in, you know, and uh, talk to people and interview people and do focus groups and observe and you know in this kind of culture of big data I think that, that, you know, I have been sort of pulling back in the other direction saying, well, yeah, big data is great and it, it definitely has, you know, its its purpose. But let's focus on, on what some of these people are calling small data, right? And these are kind of small observations that give you a very deep insight into organizational culture that you can't really get from a survey, that you can't really get from quantitative data. So, you know, I can give you an example of this. You know, I, I was just thinking in preparation, we went to this manufacturing company and, you know, they had issues with um, employee motivation and absenteeism. And, you know, so so we, we walked into the company and we had this, you know, initial meeting with the directors and they gave us their version of the story. So, you know, we went to, to, to um, manufacturing floor and uh, the first question that we were asking, you know, upstairs uh, with the director's meeting is, uh, you know, well, do you guys uh, actually have, you know, any way of listening to what your employees are telling you? Do you have any way uh, for them to give you suggestions, to give you, you know, some improvements? You know, what are some of the ways that you're collecting 
collecting, you know, this feedback from, from your employees. And they said, oh, yeah, 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 we have this, you know, this program. It's called, you know, uh, a suggestion uh, box, and it's over there, you know, and the workers are supposed to, you know, go in and put their suggestions. So we walk, you know, downstairs into the manufacturing room, and uh, we, we go into their, you know, main lunch area, and we see the suggestion box. It's sitting right on top of the, the cupboard, covered with two inches of dust. And it's like completely <laughs> inaccessible from from everybody. You would need, you know, a ladder to get up there. And so, but that was the point. That was that kind of, you know, little bit of small data that, that immediately told us, okay, so this is what we're dealing with. And this is how we can now structure our interviews and focus groups to see why is this box covered with two inches of dust? Why is it not being used? And, you know, so... I, I'm sorry, I lost you know, my, my, my... So, hey, so, so Maya, you, you asked at the beginning, right before we went on the show, you said, hey, I, I, I wasn't sure how we were going to have enough conversation for now. <laughs> we're, more than, we're more than halfway through. I haven't even gotten to some of the questions I really, really want to ask you. Um, oh, but uh, we, we need to take a break. we got a two-minute sure. break coming up. So uh, I want to remind everybody, you're listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. Our guest today is... Uh, Maya uh, Ninkovich uh, from Alethea RNS, uh, talking all the way from uh, Belgrade, Serbia. And we are talking about people analytics and the disruption in HR. And the one uh, lesson that we've gotten so far by uh, this conversation is that uh, talent, uh, the race for talent is, and talent management is a global problem. It's not your industry. It's not regional. It's not just in your state, in your county, in your city. Uh, it is global. And uh, we've got a lot more to cover. So we're going to take a quick break, hear from our sponsors, Jobvite and Success Performance Solutions. Stay right where you are. We'll be back in two minutes. Behind everything you're searching for is something you're actually looking for. When you search with the real yellow pages, you get more than a contractor. You get a whole new curb appeal. It's not just getting directions to a dry cleaner with YP.com. It's rescuing an old favorite from the back of the closet. And it's more than finding a locksmith with YP.com on your mobile. It's getting to sleep in your own bed. Whatever it might be, there are more ways to search and more ways to find exactly what you're looking for with the real yellow pages, yp.com, and yp.com on your mobile, only from AT&T. What's up, everyone? This is Keith from the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show, powered by Jobvite. Jobvite knows career paths are made by people, not by open job requisitions. Jobvite's platform ties recruitment marketing directly to applicant tracking and onboarding, creating continuous candidate engagement that effectively connects recruiters with qualified passive candidates. Used by over 50,000 recruiters placing over 1 million jobs, Jobvite's platform impacts every company in every industry. Check us out at jobvite.com. Listen carefully. Up to 9 out of 10 job candidates visiting your company career page leave before completing an application. You heard that right. 90% of candidates who want to apply for a job at your company don't. That's just plain crazy, especially in today's tight labor market. Candidate experience matters. Stop turning candidates away. Let Success Performance Solutions help. Call us at 800-803-4303 or register at successperformancesolutions.com slash W4CY. Schedule a no-obligation consultation and get special access to insider tips to recruit faster and hire smarter.
Hey, welcome back to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm Ira Wolf. I'm here with my uh, co-host today, Keith Compagna, and our very special guest from way across the pond, as we said, 4,555 miles away, uh, Maya Ninkovich from uh, Alethea RNS. I'm going to be not over in Serbia in a couple weeks, but I'm going to be speaking there through uh, through satellite, I guess, or through the internet yeah, uh, yeah. at the Disrupt HR. Hey, Maya, when when you left off, we were we were mm-hmm. you, you shared an example of you know how sometimes it's not the qualitative or the quantitative results you get from analytics, but sometimes it's the quality you know of of hiding a suggestion box on, on top of a refrigerator or in a cabinet of, yeah. of why you know you make it difficult. Uh, you know, in my presentation, and um, you know when I talk, and Keith's heard about this uh, you know a million times already, and this is what I spend my time um, is, is some basic things. I mean, it's the quality of the candidate experience that is uh, that is turning can- good candidates away. Uh, you know, silly things that companies do, uh, like like hiding. Not only do they hide a suggestion box, but they sort of hide their career site. Yeah. <laughs> they, they make it. If somebody goes up to their company website, it's almost impossible to to find out how to apply to to find what job openings they have, or if you find the job opening of finding the apply button or getting through the application. And there's a whole host of things of being mobile responsive and and being fast and and getting found on the internet. Um, but you you're basically taking this to a completely other level and i think i op- when i opened the show I, I i said you know when when you think that we would be talking about i well one is just user experience in, in hr but talking about things like eye tracking and user video graphics and ethnographics talk about that a little bit what what you know what is it i mean i i, I have a good idea what it is because i i but you know it, it it's like that to me that's pretty that's common in digital marketing. I mean, that, that's the world today. Um, but how would that affect HR? I mean, what, why, you know, how, how is what you're doing impacting people's ability to engage more talent? I, I think this, this is uh, the point uh, that HR has to now adopt uh, some new skills and some new roles because we are, uh, you know, dealing with a fully digital and fully transparent, uh, uh, you know, world where, uh, you know, your candidates uh, are, you know, sharing their impressions, uh, you know, good or bad, uh, you know, with lots of people personally, but also with lots of people digitally. And so, uh uh, HR has to focus on something called employer branding uh, and user experience uh, on their career sites, uh, especially because of this idea that you have to attract people. And when you attract people, you also have to tailor the content uh, to the actual user, right? So, I mean, what's the point of, of creating, you know, a career website if, you know, if what it does, it, you know, frustrates users and it's not intuitive or it's not, you know, or the main information is really difficult to find. So um, I think that, you know, in a way, uh, HR has 
to to have some basic awareness of these digital marketing concepts. You know, the other day I was I was talking to a client and they say, well, you know, where do you get all of these, you know, funnels? When we talk about candidate experience, so we talk about attraction and we talk about consideration and we talk about, uh, you know, then selection and hiring. It's like, where do you get these concepts? And, you know, I tried to explain to them that, you know, uh, uh, recruiting has, you know, borrowed all of these things from, from sales because recruitment has actually become a sales activity. You have to attract people, right? And you have to get them to the top of that funnel. And uh, where user experience, you know, sort of comes in is that uh, uh, in the same way that you would design a product for your end user, uh, that's the same way in which HR has to design content that, you know, fits your end users, which are these potential candidates for your jobs. Uh, so user experience is very important, and uh, uh, you know we we're going to have um, at the disrupt HR Belgrade. We're going to have a person talk about design thinking, uh, which is a methodology that fits right into that. This is the kind of user-centered methodology that's normally used in product design and uh, you know create innovation. But I think it can also help us in designing a better HR function because. Uh, it's oriented towards end users. Uh, it is uh, looking at you know what kind of information or what kind of information the candidates need at each one of those uh, uh, you know touch points, and then providing it to them so that you know the experience is actually something that's satisfying rather than frustrating. So that that's I think where that whole user experience and eye tracking is just you know another methodology and another tool that we've been using to to do that. Uh, uh, I haven't had much success actually uh, doing you know sort of um, putting that service out in the market because people still I think uh, are, are having problems connecting. It's like you know what is eye tracking doing with? But if you think about that, uh, uh, eye tracking is used uh, very successfully in uh, evaluating usability of websites, uh, banking systems, you know, all of these kinds of different, you know, uh, website content. And in the same way that, you know, they're trying to sell a service, HR is also trying to sell, you know, their employer brand. And eye tracking can help in telling you whether you have satisfied user needs or not. So how how it so it's it's not been used successfully in HR, but how how has it successfully been used in business? So if somebody was looking at uh, getting more traffic or more usability or longer engagement um, of a customer on their site, how how would they use that? Yeah, well, eye tracking is part uh, uh, is, is a methodology that helps you uh, evaluate where uh, uh, where your customers or end users uh, where is the focus of their visual attention. Uh, so you measure their visual attention as they are browsing, as they are going through uh, your site. And there's different metrics that you can use within eye within eye tracking. Uh, uh, but you know, duration of gaze. So for example, you know. Where do your uh, customers uh, look at? Uh, you know, uh, where, with, what part of your website catches their attention the most, right? And then uh, you have different metrics like, you know, uh, uh, something uh, that's a sequence of fixation. So what do they see first? What is it that attracts their attention first? Where do they go next? And and so there are, uh, you know, within 
an eye tracking methodology, there are, you know, certain kind of patterns. It's like people, when people are confused, you know, they tend to look back and forth, back and forth, back and forth because they don't know. So, and then it's, it's when you, you introduce a qualitative sort of aspect of that methodology is you say, okay, we've identified that you had a problem here or you looked here longer than, uh, you know, than you've looked at other parts of the page or there are parts of the page that you've never looked at, you know? So if we're trying to get people to do something on websites, which is, you know, what usually our goal is, if they never look at that button, if they never look at your, you know, logo or brand image or whatever it is that you want them, you know, then, then uh, uh, you know, there is a design issue that you need to address. And so then we ask people as part of the methodology, okay, so, you know, did you experience a problem here and why? And usually, you know, people are very, uh, uh, you know, articulate and they say, yeah, because, you know, I was looking at this button, and but then it didn't lead me to where I wanted it to lead me. And so you can iron out a lot of these design issues uh, and usability issues with websites. And so we're, you know, we're hoping to transfer that methodology to, to candidate experience also. Yeah. So, so I'm an employer um, and I've got a couple hundred employees. Uh, we're doing, you know, we're, we're, we're doing pretty well on getting people to come to, to my website. Uh, and, but it seems that we don't get a lot of people to apply after they get there. There's a lot of abandonment. What, I mean, how, what would, what's the process? What do you, what, what do you do first, um, when you're evaluating, um, you know, a, a situation and I again, I'm presenting as a hypothetical, but, um, that's pretty common that people say, how hey, we, we got a lot of visitors, but no one seems to want to apply. Um, uh, you know, what, what's your process? What do you do? Right. Well, uh, first of all, we would get, you know, the relevant target group because it's really important to select exactly the right people. Uh, uh, you know, you, you would have to sort of define who is your target group and who would you actually like to 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 test, you know, I should say. Uh, and then, you know, there, there's sort of two parts of that story. One is is one part of the story. Eye tracking is not, you know, uh, it's a great methodology, but, you know, it should also be used for very specific issues. Uh, uh, the other part of that story is the web analytics. So we would like to see, you know, where uh, candidates drop off, you know, which part of the application process is actually uh, in, in most problematic uh, and and so uh, I think the eye tracking methodology in that is is really sort of um, more useful in telling you why yeah, and I wasn't necessarily specific to the eye tracking in that case but it was just more general you know oh, saying sure. you know what, what would be the yeah. what what's the approach and it sounds like it's pretty similar to what I'm talking about is 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 getting the web analytics uh, and a lot of companies don't even know I mean uh, you know one of the questions I ask uh, consistently is, uh, you know, companies know how many applications they have, but, or HR, you know, there may, maybe somebody knows a little bit more, but HR knows how many applications they have. They don't know how many got started. So yeah. is there, is there a problem with their application? And they, they rarely know how many people actually come and visit their site. Yeah, absolutely. I know. And uh, these conversion rates are actually, you know, quite problematic. But I think, uh, again, this brings me back to the point, you have to talk to people, you actually have to talk to real people and to ask them, okay, so what was the problem? Because web analytics and the quant quantitative data from conversion uh, rates, uh, and so forth, they can give you uh, the signal that something 
is, is wrong, right? They signal that, you know, there is a problem in your funnel, there is a problem in your application process, but they won't really tell you why. And so, you know, this part of the, the, the research that we do is it, it allows you to talk to actual people who have tried to do that or to, you know, people who are simulating to, trying to do that, right, the target group. But um, uh, it will tell you exactly, it's like, okay, what is my thought process? You know, I went here and maybe they asked me, I don't know, maybe they asked me to, you know, enter information twice. This is what, you know, usually happens in these application forms. I already sent you a CV and now you're making me, you know, Right. Go That's and the qualitative. The qualitative. Yeah, it's not a quantitative. It's a qualitative. So. It's the qual. Right. Yes, exactly. It's qualitative. You have to talk to people because I think in HR and I think generally, you know, this coming from an academic sort of perspective. Um, uh, there's not so much uh, sort of crossover or there's a little bit of an overlap. But, you know, on the academic side, you have a lot of uh, studies dealing with the ways in which people make decisions, you know, and what kinds of things go into decision making. And it's not always maybe all that rational and it doesn't make sense. And, you know, uh, the way people make decisions is kind of messy sometimes and, you know, very uh, irrational and you know, not easy to predict. And then on the other you know, side, you have the sort of practice, you know, the, the, the HR profession that doesn't quite always, you know, borrow from, from that work, you know, and so we assume that people make decisions in a much more, you know, kind of rational way. And I think that that's where people analytics can also help, um, you know, HR practitioners is saying, okay, people do make decisions sometimes out of these really completely, uh, you know, these the, the irrational reasons that we can't quite, you know, account for in our usual everyday work. But if you look at it, you can find some patterns and then you can tailor your content uh, and you can tailor your processes, you know, to, to sort of account for that and, and to be more user friendly in a way. Yeah. And my, I mean, my, we, we're almost at the end of the show. This uh, is so amazing. I mean, and yeah, we're barely scratching the surface. Hard. Yeah, barely scratching the surface here. <laughs> so, um, so how can, uh, and again, although you're halfway around the world, it's a global world and we're talking to you here. How can, uh, how, how can someone get in touch with you? What's, what's the best way? Um, you know, I know you're on LinkedIn, but uh, how, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, LinkedIn, website, email, it's, yeah, what, that's fine. Yeah, what, what, yeah. And your uh, website is? Um, Alatea.io. Uh, uh, okay, and that's A-L-A-T-H-E-A dot I-O. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Ninkovic's N-I-N-K-O-V-I-C. Uh, yes. If you want to look her up on there, that'd be great. Um, so what? Uh, let me ask you, if we're, I've asked uh, most of our guests this. Um, we have you back on the show next April, um, year from now. What are we going to be talking about? What, what do you, what do you, are we going to be talking about the same stuff or you think it's going to be different or better? What are we going to be talking about? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I, I think that we are gonna, we're going to be talking a little bit more about, uh, 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 the extent to which analytics has, uh, entered, uh, you know, the sort of mainstream because I, we can see signs, uh, everywhere. And, you know, this is, this is uh, the situation more globally, but I think that, that I hope that we'll be talking about, uh, you know, the ways in which corporations here, uh, have actually or, you know, opened 
their doors more uh, to HR analytics and not just in terms of, you know, the sort of usual HR metrics, but but do some more interesting studies into some more interesting applications of analytics, uh, uh, you know, to inform the way that they deal with their business strategy as well as the way that they deal with their employees and candidates. Any, any major disruptions you see coming down the pike? Major disruptions. Yeah, I mean, is there anything insignificant that either excites you or worries you um, as, as far as uh, analytics? Uh-huh. Uh, as far as analytics, um, well, I can, I, can see, uh, as I can see the potential of big data, uh, you know, entering the field. And I think, and I see the potential of, uh, you know, the sort of uh, really sort of high uh, end technologies entering the, the, the processes. And this is something that I've actually been very curious, uh, you know, about uh, when we talked about what you're going to, you know, present at Disrupt, because I think that's something that we're not uh, quite sure what are all of these uh, possibilities for technologies yep. to do in the recruitment space and in the HR space. And I am a little bit worried, you know, it's like I, I am a little bit worried about that because I think people have this this sort of grand vision of what that can do for a business. And, you know, and I am, you know, I think that you have to have the fundamentals right. Just like we talked about, is you have to have the fundamental process down and then you can use all this technology to maybe make it easier for you to do it. But, you know, I'm a little, you know, that's something that, that maybe is a question mark, you know, for me. Yeah. Well, and that's, that, that, to me, that's great advice. And that was a topic, that was actually the title of our program yesterday, Keeping Recruitment Human and uh, uh, presenting the SHRM annual meeting in Las Vegas in a couple of weeks. And it's keeping the H in HR. And they're all variations of that. There's no app for that. It's, yeah. it's uh, company. Companies, companies have not done a really good job of good customer service in the talent management arena, the user experience, uh, but then they, they reverted to using technology as the solution, and uh, that's made it less human. Uh, yeah. And and I think that addresses what you're talking about. So we've been uh, we've been talking with uh, Maya Ninkovic uh, from uh, Alethea RNS, all the way from Serbia, talking about people analytics, the future of work, the future of HR, uh, and uh, it's been great having you, Maya. I know uh, you and I will be probably talking a little bit over the next uh, two weeks in preparation for Disrupt HR. Congratulations on uh, your hosting that. I'm really excited about uh, participating, and appreciate. Um, I'm honored uh, to. Per- appreciate that and honored you were uh, agreed to be part of our show thanks thank you so much yeah, thank yeah, you very much happy to you. thank you keith yeah good so um keith um what's uh, on your agenda this week ahead well actually i have kind of a down week i'm doing that good old-fashioned r&r towards the end of the week but uh more to come next week, Ira. There's a whole. I'm just. You caught me in a week where I have not much going on other than the good old yeah. fashioned. Good. Get out hey, yes. there share so, so geeks, geezers, and Googleization was 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 the culmination of uh, two days of, of hearing me yesterday of, of keeping movement <laughs> and this. So that's, hey, sharpening uh, the saw. Sharpening the saw. Yeah, we we wore you out. So appreciate it. So. Uh, so anyway, uh, we will, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of a wrap again. Uh, here's the Geek Skeezers and Googleization, Googleization show. Uh, we bring you topics and thought leaders discussing a future of work where the tired, the wired, and technology converge. We certainly talked a lot about that today. Uh, until next Wednesday and every Wednesday after that, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, W4CY.com. And on your favorite podcast 
uh, platform, iTunes, Google Play, iHeart, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever it is, uh, this show will be live hopefully by the end of the week, and you'll be able to hear all about people analytics, disrupt HR, uh, hear from Maya Ninkovich, and I'm your host, Ira Wolf, with my co-host, Keith Capagna. Don't let the shift hit your plans.